Harry, you did an excellent job with that story and I really appreciate you using Hebrews. Hebrews is a really amazing book. It's like a deep pond that you look in, and the more you look, the more you see. And the deeper you see, the, the more the word's revealed to you. Um, last week, I did a communion meditation in Hebrews, chapter 10, and we started with verse 19. Um, Today, the main text is the verses following that. Um, Hebrews 10, 23 through 25. says, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. So just by you showing up here today, you're fulfilling one of the things the, the apostle is encouraging you to do. And it's an encouragement to each other to see all of you here. If you weren't here, you wouldn't be encouraged by it, and neither would I. So it's good to see you all here. Um, I really wanted to talk today about someone in the Bible um, who has a nickname. Anybody here have a nickname when they were in high school? You don't have to share it, but nicknames are pretty common. Um, some of them hang on quite a long time, others not so much. Um, my, both my father and grandfather were known as Bucky and everybody around the area knew who Bucky was. You said C.R. Buck or Clarence Buck, who's that? But if you said Bucky, they'd know. Um, some nicknames happen to be based on things that happen to people. Um, my youngest son's cross-country team, um, they all had nicknames. One was Roadkill. They were out running for practice, and he got hit by a car. Didn't get hurt too bad, but, but they called him Roadkill after that. <laughs> and another one was called Dogbite, so you can kind of guess what happened to him. Some people have nicknames because of what they look like. A college friend of mine who ended up being my best man when, when I married Karen, um, they called Buddha. Uh, he wasn't bald, but you can kind of guess what his shape was. <laughs> you know, I knew him for almost two years before I knew his real name. Everybody called him Buddha. I'm, I'm thinking he probably signed his um, homework for the classes Buddha because everybody just knew him as Buddha. Finally one day I asked him, what's your real name? And he told me. Some nicknames are by what people do. My friend, had, my father had a friend who they called Bone Crusher. And it's because when you shook hands with him, he had a real strong grip. Sometimes it got shortened just to bones, but um, there was a man called Joseph from Cyprus. Do you know who that was? Joseph of Cyprus. 
No, it wasn't the father of Jesus. And no, he wasn't the disciple from Arimathea who gave his tomb for Jesus. Um, he's talked about in Acts 4, 36. And it says, Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas. Now, Barnabas, you've probably heard of. Um, they called him Barnas, Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. And he sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the disciples or the apostles' feet. This is the only place in the New Testament where he's called Joseph. Every place else throughout the New Testament, it's Barnabas. Um, so his his nickname stuck, and that's what we know him by. So I thought we'd take a little bit of a look at why he was called the son of encouragement. And when he's introduced here, one of the things that he's doing is he sold a field and, and laid the money at the feet of the apostles. And that money was to be used to support the widows and the orphans and the people who were having a struggle. Because when the church started, a lot of people stayed on after the day of Pentecost and hung around. And they didn't have any visible means of support. And so... That was one of the things that um, Barnabas did. So one of the things we can learn about an encourager is an encourager is generous. An encourager cares about other people and what he can do to help. He doesn't just sit by and watch. He does what he can do to help. In Acts 9, verses 26 through 27, um, it talks about when he, Saul, not yet called Paul, came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he really was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. He told them how Saul, on his journey, had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him, and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. So here we have Paul coming to Jerusalem to try to hook up with the Christians there. But they remember, it wasn't that long ago. It was Saul who was standing watching the coats of the people who stoned Stephen. And people were afraid of him. But Barnabas took a chance. You see, an encourager will take a chance on someone. And not only did he take a chance, he had bothered to listen to what Paul had preached. And he had bothered to listen to what Paul's story was. See, encouragers listen to other people. They don't get caught up in their own self so much. Um, but they, they are willing to listen to other people and they allow other people to change. Sometimes we run into people that we've known in our past and we just kind of put them on the shelf because, oh, we know them. We know what they're like. And we don't give people a chance to change. Encouragers do. 
Now, doesn't talk too much about Barnabas giving good sermons or preaching. He stood a lot in the background. I suppose that he could have been jealous of Paul and, and not want Paul to succeed, but that's not the way an encourager does it. An encourager looks for a way to encourage others. And he could have doubted Paul, uh, Saul's sincerity rather than seeing the positive in him. But an encourager looks for the good in people. Acts 11, 19-26 tells the story of how Barnabas was in the midst of a great evangelical meeting and dropped what he was doing. And he went to Tarsus. And what did he go to Tarsus for? To get Paul. Paul's got to be a part of this. You know? So here he is, he goes to Tarsus, puts the meetings on hold, bring them back, and Paul and, and Barnabas stayed in Antioch for over a year, teaching people. And I suppose that, that Paul had learned a few things from, from uh, Barnabas in the meantime. I kind of get the impression that maybe Paul was a little bit legalistic when he first started. That he was so involved in relearning everything that he had been taught as a Pharisee and, and learning about who Jesus was that all of a sudden this stuff started making sense to him. And so he would argue with people to prove that Jesus was the Messiah. But maybe he got so caught up in, in knowing these things that he kind of didn't treat people maybe the bestest that he could. But I think he learned how to do that from Barnabas. I think encouragers are mentors, and they, they take people under their wing. And I think he took Paul under his wing and, and mentored him in how to treat people. And so an encourager is not jealous of other people's talents, but finds ways of encouraging others in using their talents. And so he brought Paul back, and, and Paul was able to use his talents um, in Antioch, where they stayed. So later, Paul and Barnabas, along with, with um, Barnabas's cousin, a man by the name of John Mark, set out on a mission trip. But uh, John got homesick after just a couple of stops. So he left them and went back to Jerusalem. So Paul and Barnabas sailed on without him. But Paul wasn't all that pleased with, with what happened. And sometime later, there's an account in Acts 15 how um, Paul said to Barnabas, let's go back and visit the brothers in all the towns where we preached the word of the Lord and see how they're doing. Barnabas wanted to take John, also called Mark, with them, but Paul didn't think it was wise to take him because he had deserted them in Pamphylia and not continued with them in the work. They had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. Barnabas took Mark and sailed for Cyprus. When's the last time somebody stood up for What's that make you feel like when somebody will take your side and stand up for you? 
Barnabas stood up for John Mark, even to the point of having a big disagreement with Paul. Um, there's not an indication that, that Barnabas ever held a grudge against Paul, though, because later on they got together and they were working together as well. But Barnabas stands up for John Mark. An encourager gives people a second chance. And so Barnabas takes John Mark with him and encourager and encourages him and mentors him um, as a young Christian. And, and an encourager doesn't hold a grudge. How I treat other people and how I respond to other people, it's not about them. It's about me. I can make all kinds of excuses and say, well, they're a real jerk, or they were totally wrong, um, and that's why I, I was such a jerk, or that's why I got so angry. But it's not how I treat others. It's not about them. It's about me and about how the Lord's working in my life. So what impact did Barnabas have on those around him? You wonder, what, what's the impact an encourager can have? Years later, John Mark, who, by the way, is the author of the second gospel, Matthew Mark, yeah, that's him, um, he's helping Paul while Paul's in prison. First, Paul's under house arrest and, and Mark's there. Later, um, Paul is in a dungeon and Mark's the only one that's there helping him. And another point, when Paul's in prison, he says, sends a letter to Timothy and he says, bring John Mark with you because he's helpful to me in my ministry. So what happened? <laughs> I think Paul learned something from Barnabas and also gave John a second chance. And you have to think that Paul learned the lesson pretty well. If you read any of the letters he's written, he talks about... Um, Corinthians 13.1, for instance. I can speak with the tongues of men and even of angels, but if I don't have love, I'm just a clanging cymbal or a noisy gong. And that passage goes on. It's called the love chapter. And Paul has really learned the message about being an encourager. And there's a lot of other passages where Paul's an encourager as well. There's some indication and some evidence that uh, it was Barnabas that wrote the book of Hebrews, which would make sense. Um, he knew the Jewish nation. He knew Jewish religion. He was a Levite. Um, and there's a lot of encouragement in the book of, of uh, Hebrews. So... Don't give up meeting together, but let us encourage one another. 
and all the more as you see, as you see the day approaching. Times were not easy in the New Testament. There was a lot of chaos going on. There was a lot of divisiveness. There was a lot of, of conflict. Sound familiar? There's a lot of divisiveness today. There's a lot of conflict. A lot of things going on. So how, how can we be encouragers to other people? How can we sidestep all this vitriol that's going on, you know, in the political arena and in, in social um, life? Well, I think if we learn to be encouragers, that would be something that we could do. So, how can you be an encourager? And I've got 12 steps you can take. Don't have to take them all at once, take one or two, but put them into practice. Number one, encourage even the smallest effort someone makes. Two, stop finding, a f finding fault with the wrong and applaud the right. Someone does something and all you can see is the negative side of it, try to flip that. What's the positive on it? Three, look for outwardly demonstrable ways to encourage a person. You know, look at where the person is. Is there some way that you can encourage them? Some way that you can take them and int introduce them to someone else or be supportive to them? Four, reject negative responses. Think with a helping spirit rather than an attacking one. Five, make positive comments. Six, write encouraging comments. Some, somebody a note or a card. Or go visit them or call them. You know, check out, see how they're doing. Sometimes just acknowledging someone's there is a real encouragement. You know, there's so many people in our society that are invisible, whether it's the girl that's checking you out at the counter um, when you're buying groceries or the store clerk or somebody you ride, drive past when they're riding their bicycle down the road. There's a lot of invisible people acknowledging someone um, Letting them know, hey, I see you. That, that's a real encouragement to people. Tell people positive things about themselves. I don't care who you are, there's something positive about you. And we need to look for those and let people know that we see them. Notice when somebody does something good. A few years ago, there was a, uh, a uh, program toward, aimed at youth, and it was called something about catching someone doing something right, you know? So you look for somebody doing something right and catch them doing it, you know, and, and acknowledge that. If you tell a kid what they're doing right and praise them for it, they're going to try to find more times to do that because it felt good to be acknowledged. If you always find what's wrong, then that becomes their identity. If you tell them what they're doing right, then they work towards being more that way, and that becomes their identity. 
Nine, if you tell somebody something good about themselves, make sure it's real. Make sure it's genuine. Don't just make something up. It needs to be based in reality. So keep it honest and keep it real. And 10, if you're having a bad day and you're feeling mean, bite your tongue. <laughs> Sometimes it's better to say nothing than to, to say too much of the wrong things. You know, have an upbeat attitude. And part of having an upbeat attitude is the last one. Be a thankful person. Having an attitude of gratitude. And what we do makes a difference. And sometimes it doesn't have to be anything big. It doesn't have to be anything large. Like I said before, the, the passage calls for us, don't give up meeting together. You know, encourage one another. Pat each other on the back. Share the fellowship. Um, share the burden. Uh, we're coming up on the 150th anniversary next weekend, and there's a lot to do. If you haven't volunteered for something, volunteer. I'm sure Gerald would be encouraged by that. He's put a lot of work and a lot of effort into it. But let us love one another. That's how will be known as the Lord's disciples. Let's pray. Father, we're so thankful for all that you've given us and all that we have. We're thankful for our friends here and for the fellowship that we can have. And Father, we, we pray that you'll guide us. Help us to look for the good in others and help us to encourage that that it's based on your love for us, that you found something worthy in us to die for. We pray, Father, that you'll bless this congregation and guide and direct us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. This morning, if you have a decision to make, come forward. There's a lot of people here who would be willing to encourage you, to give you a hand, to help you on your way um, to being a, a better Christian, being more committed and more devoted. Come as we sing.